0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another bewildering episode of Podcast Dark Elevation, the podcast that does not stop coming because the episodes of Dark and Dark Elevation do not stop getting uploaded to YouTube, and somebody's got to talk about them, and that someone is me, your host, Dark Elevation. We have a short episode today, And then, like a regular length episode, they say brevity is the soul of wit. I I I can say who said. I mean Shakespeare said that. I don't have to say they. It's an easily attributable quote. Brevity is the soul of wit. Well, then there must have been an awful lot of wit. It dark elevation number eighty two because that was recorded at Arthur Ashe Stadium, which I get it. You're giving four hours of televised wrestling on that show between the live dynamite and the recorded rampage. When you think about it, the rampage was probably more than 2 hours. It was two uh, two televised hours. And then there was probably a lot of stuff that got cut just to make it run as smoothly as possible in that taped time slot. Then again, there were also commercials. I don't so I don't know how it there were at least four hours of televised wrestling content that was delivered. So when you're having that much, you're not going to do as much in in the opening. Pace yourself out. The crowd is going to – you know they're going to be there for a long time. So two opening matches on what is otherwise a four-hour card. You're keeping people there until – Midnight after midnight. This this made sense to keep it kind of simple in the opening. Now, did they do the right matches? Well, who can say? Certainly not me. Because I can't even totally remember all of the matches that happened at Grand Slam. So I can't tell you who was criminally underused at Grand Slam, all things considered. Because so much stuff happened. But who was not on the televised program? Kip Sapien and Penelope Ford, who defeated Sean Dean and Sky Blue in 5 minutes and 16 seconds. Kind of enjoyed this one. Thought this was more fun, Kip Sapien, than we've seen in the past. I thought that there was some real dynamic moves in terms of how... He and Penelope used the way that the tags worked in a mixed tag match to keep it. It was beyond cutting the ring in half. It was just sort of keeping the other team on their on their toes as to who was even legal in the match. That that was all fun. I I thought it was fun that uh, he allowed Sky Blue to hit a destroyer on him in the match. Uh, Sean Dean and Sky Blue obviously don't have a lot in common, other than the fact that they are both from Chicago, which, for Chicago people, is everything. It it is everything for two people to both be from Chicago. Being from Chicago is an entire – a lore, a personal lore. It is a personality. It is a – faction, it is a alignment. People really like really like, so you could say, hey, maybe it should have been Dante Martin rather than Sean Dean because Sean Dean did not I mean, does not have a history of teaming with Sky Blue the way that Dante Martin does And but Dante Martin is not from Chicago. We know, we I know that A previous episode of this podcast is titled Deep Dish Dr. Martin, and I'm not sure why I would have to go back and listen. I never remember what I talk about. But the point being, they they decided to go heavy on the Chicago connection here, despite them being in the first city for this show, not the second one. Also, Sean Dean was disrespected by Kip Sabian, who who did did Sean Dean's salute as a mockery of him, and uh, Riccaboni certainly got upset about who Menard called scumbag Rickabani on this episode, which was which was pretty funny. So Riccaboni gets mad that he is insulting the military history of Sean Dean Menard responds with something like, so what? And, uh, and I'm hundred percent team Menard on that. So what I be, I'm, I'm making fun of being in, being from Chicago as being a personality trait, a, a who you are as a character. I'm goofing on that because it's not really an adequate reason for them to be a tag team. But being from Chicago is far more of a personality and an alignment than I was a troop, personally. Because, frankly, the troops are everywhere. I don't know if you've looked recently where on a map of U.S. military bases, both permanent and and, uh, temporary, and that's not even including clandestine military activity. They're everywhere. Chicago. Being from Chicago, I know exactly where Chicago is. Sort of. I pro- with some approximation, I could probably. It's on Lake Michigan. It's on. It's in the Illinois side of Lake Michigan. But how much? How much could that actually be? Anyway, Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford, a sort of, I guess, British Philadelphian combo. They were able to defeat. Sean Dean and Sky Blue, I, I don't know what the, the – none of these people have a specific direction. Sean Dean has more of a direction now that MJF is back than he's, than he's had in in recent times. If you, know, if you see Sean Dean show up on TV in the coming weeks, you know that some MJF tomfoolery is going to be happening. So keep that in mind. But that's the only thing. That's the only path I see of him going on TV. Penelope Ford beat Willow Nightingale a week or so ago. That would probably last Rampage, not the most recent one. I obviously have stated on this podcast many times my affinity for Willow, and I think that she has a far higher ceiling than Penelope. Maybe they have a short-term plan with Penelope. It isn't clear. When you consider that she's not beating Jade, she could face Jade, but that would be a heel versus heel. She already lost to Tony Storm, so building. Her, I don't think it's wrong to build her up as a mid card heel or even valueless. I think you could get a lot out of having some more mid card, meaningful things. But I don't know who she would. Who she would be feuding with, if, if, if that's the, that is the plan. But we'll, we'll see. And of course, Kip Sabian. I'm not, I can't even be mean to him as I usually am, because this is, this was more fun than anything else I've seen him do recently. Ortiz defeats Serpentico with Luther in three minutes and 22 seconds. I like Serpentico. I I've I've made that clear. I don't know if this was the right spot for him. I like Ortiz. I think Ortiz certainly should have a spot on this show, and I'm glad that Sir Ortiz had a shot. A a shot to fight That's a shot. i i I meant to say spot, but but spot also means something else in in. In wrestling lingo, so he had a, he had a a place and a thing to do on this show, and that is good. And I wish it was against a somebody a little bit higher up in the card than Serpentico. Some you know, give him a I don't know. What did what was Zach Zach Clayton not available? He we know where he lives. He talks about it a lot. You could have give at least then get the guy who's beaten Serpentico. Get get a get a pop of of the the real uh, New Yorker defeating the the Jersey Shore fella. That would be. do you know? Maybe maybe Ortiz is afraid if he beats Zach Clayton, he can't take a nice trip down to seaside or, or Asbury Park if he, if he is, if, if he beats hometown transplant favorite fiance of other common, commonly seen there, but also not from there. Maybe that's why he didn't want to be second, but certainly there's somebody higher up on the card than Serpentico that could have given Ortiz a, cause it's nice to have him on this card, it's nice to have the crowd cheering for him. I'm pretty sure Ortiz is from New York. He, I, I, I could be wrong, but that would be surprising to me because I'm never wrong, uh, as, as previous episodes of this podcast will attest to. And then that was it with this episode. We had some nice statements made by Eddie Kingston and Will Hobbs uh, about – for Suicide Prevention Month uh, for about the importance of mental health, uh, which in itself is – I don't – I'm not going to – I'm not very very smart, but I know that it's inadequate to just sort of say – speaking about mental health. Because that doesn't really mean anything in in itself. I, I this is not a criticism. There are these guys who I think both told very personal and heartfelt stories. As did as did Aubrey Edwards on the follow up on on the dark episode. These were these were important stories to tell, and I believe that they told them very well. I just am not very good at summarizing them because just and this is a, this is not just me. This is a criticism of this whole sort of mental health industrial complex in general is by just using the term mental health, it doesn't give a lot of, it doesn't explain a lot, it does not talk about sort of the mechanisms that lead to poor mental health or the larger problems uh, that, that, that mental health is sort of a downstream from. And I, I do think everybody should get help if you need help. You should not feel like there's a stigma around needing help or having problems or like Will Hobbs said, crying a big strong man. Like, well, are you going to tell Will Hobbs he can't cry? Buddy, buddy, you will be learning how easy you can cry. If you tell Will Hobbs, he can't cry. The the point being I think I thought these were nice and you know, if you need help, but I I know that a lot of people have, again, this is not my, really my wheelhouse at all. uh, If I have one whatsoever, but uh, people have talked about posting the suicide prevention hotline number. Does it do anything? Does it, how much does it actually help? How much does it put the onus on the person with the problems to solve them it, it was a ni- it was a nice gesture for them to do this and i just i hope that it spoke to somebody and i hope that if you're somebody who i i can't imagine that there's anybody out there whose mental health hinges on me this very low hit number podcast telling you that things are things are going to be all right and and that you you can seek out help and there there are people all around you who will help you i don't think that anybody who's struggling will be inspired by this not very popular podcast but i i feel they dedicated half the episode to it and it would it would be very uh, very uh not it, it would be I wouldn't be doing honor to how this was laid out by not addressing this as well and adding to their voices in my own small little way. So seek help if you need it. Remember that you're not alone there. Even if you don't realize it now, there's some, some people out there who care about you and, and maybe you don't even know them yet, but, but with time you will, you will find them. And, Let's address some of the other barriers that lead to these issues. Let's address uh, uh, healthcare access and the fact that it's very expensive in some states to try to seek out professional help for me- for mental health. Uh, let's seek out, let's talk about how the fact that we force people into working 50, 60 hours a week just to stay alive how, what that does to their, to their mental health and, 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 and how that, how that makes it even harder for people. Let's talk about issues of injustice and systemic racism that really make it hard for you to, oh, you know, you have a mental health issue. You, you, you can address this through, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. Well, that sometimes doesn't work as well for somebody if they are experiencing actual oppression that is material in nature that they can quantify or they can look at or they can experience then then telling them that this is a mental health issue and that getting help with their mental health will help it out no it, no, it won't it, it won't hurt it it can certainly help with the issue but it's not going to make the the issues in somebody's life go away if, and and then maybe drag them into worse mental health because they believe that they could think their way out of it when these, when these structures of oppression are material in nature. So let's address mental health and let's not silo mental health as something that is, a, that is between you and the suicide prevention hotline and a cognitive behavioral therapist. Let's, let's zoom out a little bit. Uh, and and this is not a criticism of AEW or the way that I again I I think all three people who spoke did a great job, uh, but this is just all that I really have to add to the conversation before we move on to Dark Number One Sixty Three. We start out with Fuego del Sol defeating James. Malachi, I believe that's I believe they pronounced it Malachi or Dasha did, and then and then Taz and Excalibur, the old scamps that they are, made fun of Dasha a little bit for her pronunciation of it, even though we don't know if that's correct or not. It sure looks like Malachi, and Malachi in the way, unlike Malachi Black, who spells it in a very silly way. Jay uh, Jay Malachi is a, a biblically accurate malachi like the prophet himself so i don't know how to say it. he looked pretty cool i thought he had a, had cool gear i thought he he you know had a like a lanky build that worked well i mean i it allowed him to overpower fuego but not not totally overpower him because fuego works best, I think, when he's he's fighting from behind. Nobody believes in Fuego. He's undersized. He's a, a, a luchador from Alabama. There, there's a lot working against him. And, and in a lot of ways, Fuego is the heart and soul of AEW Dark. I mean that in the greatest way possible. He, more than anyone else, his entire mythos and his entire character building within AEW was transformed by who he was on Dark and how how people got behind his his dark identity. And I hope we see more of Fuego in the future. I hope that he continued, you know, he's fifty-fifty on twenty-twenty now. I think he, they said he's six and six. I hope we see more of Fuego on Dark. I hope we see more of him, him having stuff to do, and that's that's. Uh, I I like to see Fuego around. I understand if Fuego's like, oh, I want to pursue other things because I lose on dark a lot. But I also, I I enjoy him being around. I think the crowd is ex- always excited for Fuego, and I think that. Whether he feels like he is stalled in dark, certainly his his leverage as a wrestler to get bookings has been has been I was going to say elevated, but I'm that's too obvious. But but he he as the darling of dark, it it has done something something good for his career. And I think that if you're somebody coming in maybe for one match, maybe for a few in a row, you're going to own three. I think that's what your ideal is. I think you'd love to become the, you you would love to become a, 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 the next Fuego, somebody who, whose career, uh, you know, grows out of being, this character on Dark, who the crowd wants to love, now is that going to be as possible in the current setup? Because when that happened to Fuego, you know, there was one televised show, so there was certainly more interest in Dark because because there was no Rampage at that at that time. There was the pandemic, which led to those famous two-hour Darks that a lot of people were on, a lot of people were employed through the pandemic by appearing on episodes of Dark. So, I don't know if there's the, if the circumstances are there for there to be a new Fuego, other than, of course, Fuego Dos, who is gone now. But could we get a Fuego Nuevo, or a a tre, Tre Fuego, (laughs) <laughs> some some trayfuego Fuego cake. I, I would eat that. I would eat a trayfuego Fuego cake. Layla Gray defeats Tiara James. I don't have time stamps on this one. Let me down again, cage match. Layla Gray, somebody whose current positioning is also unclear. She was hired to be a baddie by Stokely. Stokely is no longer associated with the baddies. Layla Gray still around. What is the long-term plan there? What happens when Red Velvet is ready to come? When I, we haven't heard anything about when Red Velvet is going to be ready to ready to return. I I I think that you've got some momentum with Layla Gray as things are currently. She's certainly more of a commodity than she was before she became the interim baddie, but it's just it's unclear where Jade stands on her, where we're supposed to stand on her. I I would I would hope that we get something to do for for so he all right here's how if I'm gonna book it, Jade says I've beaten everybody. Nobody, nobody can make a stand against me. Why don't you prove yourself if you want to face me? Why don't you face this this interim baddie, this this low level baddie, first before you before you try to get to me before before you try to to step up to the TBS title because I'm I'm tired of facing chumps. So you should have to prove yourself. So here's an open challenge to face Layla Gray. And who answers it? But Abaddon. Abaddon beats Layla Gray. Maybe Jade fires her then, or maybe she gets more pissed off at her and then tries to put Kira Hogan in the way. And then you build towards the Halloween Abaddon spooky scary match against Jade. I mean, it. it's not nothing, but I mean, it's, and it still wouldn't, I mean, maybe at the end of that, Layla gets fired. I don't, I don't know, but it, we, it would at least give us a chance to try to more, give more of a direction to where she is in regards to the baddies. But she she comes off as a heel, so she, she makes that work in that regard. And Tiara James, we've seen her for a second time now. Again, somebody else who I I will see again. I don't. I will say, oh, hey, it's Tiara James again. I and I, 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 she's been totally adequate so far. We have Jeeves K, joined by the Trustbusters, which the graphic said the Trustbusters and Sunny Kiss, which. Is fascinating because I assumed Sonny Kiss was a trustbuster. Like, what else does Sonny Kiss possibly have to do to be considered a trustbuster? Has Sonny Kiss not shown allegiance yet? Has Sonny Kiss not built trust, or or built bust within the trustbusters? Is 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 there a, a has has Sonny Kiss not shown to be both? Trustworthy and bustworthy. Oh wow! Anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, Jeeves K defeated Guste De La Vega. Good, good for, good for Jeeves K getting getting his first win as part of the AEW family. I'm, I'm not going to call them a, the. I'm a roster. They're not a family. They're, what am I trying to bust up a union? The, anyway, the they, it, the Jeeves thing is pretty funny. He allowed everybody to get into the ring before him. He announced everybody else as they walked up. He held, yeah, he held the rope open for them. He raised uh, Ari D'Avari's hand at the end of this. He wiped. He wiped down the rope after he used it. This is this this is silly and fun. This is really tough for Ari Divari though, because you are teetering on a uh, on a scenario where there are now five people in your faction. You are the leader, and you are the least interesting member. You don't have that sunny kiss vibe. You can't do the cool. Weird flippy stuff that Slim J does. I mean, you could do some stuff like that, but you don't, you, you have a different moveset that's a little bit more common. You're not a Brock Lesnar clone like, uh, like Parker Burdreau, and you don't have a Butler gimmick. So what happens then if you're Ari and all four of them are more over than you? I don't know. The only thing I remember about Gus de la Vega is, is Taz mentioning his neighbor Gus, who is, in his words, certainly dead now. And, uh, I, I, Gus has been around a few times. Good for Gus. Keep, keep, keep hopping on that bus, Gus. We don't need to discuss much about your, your, uh, showing here, though. Uh, Anyway, good and good, good for you. G- we we have a sort of a we'll we'll discuss like like so far. I'm wondering if you if anyone else is seeing a trend here in this episode of Dark, where Fuego, not typically somebody who wins, he wins the first match. Layla Gray, up until a few months ago, consistently losing, one and two record on Dark on the year they they posted for. Her. So, both of them hit 500 on this one. Jeeves K, this is his first win. And now, we'll move on to the next match, which is Jorah Joel defeating Blake Lee. And Jorah Joel is not somebody who wins a lot. Jorah Joel lost to Frankie Kazarian last week. I I thought Jorah Joel looked awesome. I always liked Jorah Joel. I think Blake Lee is also coming around. I think it certainly helps Jorah Joel look awesome that Blake Lee... Can flip all the way around when George Joel hits a pump kick to win it. But I I hope to see more of George Joel. I I again I think that there is a a feud. Why not have George Joel challenge Roosh, uh, based on the fact that he he may not have even known that they were at at any point aligned. I would I would watch George Joel face Roosh on on Rampage. It would be a good way to get Roosh. Someone even make it Andrade. Andrade needs wins too, so that would be. oh I don't know where is Andrade. Is he injured? I I think he's probably injured. I don't I don't know. I'm not going to speculate on anybody's contract situation. If anyone's staying, if anyone's going, I'm not going to speculate on that. I will speculate on their health situation and whether or not they're injured, which is arguably. <laughs> More invasive, but I don't know. The point is, give me George O. versus Roosh. You can you can build it real easily. You can explain it in the ways that I've explained it a hundred times on this show. We have Anna Jas with Angela Parker defeating Kelly Madan. Uh, this, so this one's probably a little bit more of a outlier to what I was saying before about because Anna Jas does win on dark. With some frequency. She may be one of the top dark winners of this year. With how often the, that is the case for her. She is... In a similar situation to Penelope Ford. Where it seems like they're building her as some kind of a mid-card heel. And I'm not sure what it's for. She When she beat Ruby Soho some ways back that was a little bit perplexing because then why would Ruby Soho work her way up to facing Ty Conti? I'm sorry, Ty Melo. But so Anna JAS. Building her way to a mid card heel run. I think she would be great at it. I think she would need some challengers. I don't, know who exactly, like, but okay, I guess you could do Anna J A S against Sky Blue. Sky Blue's like, hey, you're a bully. Uh, I, I, this, this is supposed to be a locker room for everybody. Okay, well, take me on, and then I'm gonna choke you out. Something like that would, yes, okay, I, I could get behind that. I would be happy with that as a storyline. But, absent that, it's not really clear who she would be. Maybe one of the Japanese talents. I, I can't see her beating Shida. I think Shida would r- roll her over, which could be a storyline that you build towards something. You could have her face y- Yuka Sakazaki or, or Riho, where they have been. Nobody knows. That was a little bit of a rhyme. Un- unintentional. Kelly Madden, all I have to say is I don't usually look up a lot about these wrestlers when I see them. I did have to confirm that Kelly Madden is of Indian heritage because she was wearing a bindi and, well, we we don't need a, a Gwen Stefani situation here. On, on this episode. We don't, there's no doubt in my mind that we would do better off without a Gwen Stefani type of wrestling character. Uh, unless you're talking about somebody who's, uh, uh, walking through the spider webs. In which case, that could be perfect for Abaddon. We've got Halloween coming! Halloween matches! The point being, Kelly Madan appears to be Italian and Indian, and that's why it's okay for her to wear a bindi. And uh, she seemed fine. She did not coordinate outfits very well with Anna J.A.S. because she was wearing a very similar outfit. She, uh, in my recollection, this was a pretty short match. It's cool when Anna J chokes people out, now make it make it serious, make it mean something, make it build towards something. Ryan Nemeth defeats Arjun Singh. Ryan Nemeth, again, another person who oftentimes loses, wins this week. Arjun Singh is a a big guy. A a few things in this match seemed a little bit slow, but I think Arjun Singh makes good facial expressions. I, I could see him returning in a similar spot, maybe losing to somebody a little bit more, not that there's not that he shouldn't have pride in making it to an episode of Dark and losing it to Ryan Mammoth, but you could lose to somebody a little bit higher up in the picking order. Is all I'm saying, I, and I, and I would be fine with that. You should you should lose your way to success. That's that's this is America. We fail up all the time in this country, and Ar- Arjun Singh... You know, it it may be working against you that there's already a Satnam Singh, but I don't think that has to be a problem because Singh is a very popular last name, and and if there are lots of Smiths and there there are lots of Pages and Cages, so there can be multiple Singhs. The last name that literally every person uh, of the, from the Sikh religion needs as their middle or last name, I I, I can I can see there being more Singhs. Uh, and it means lion, so it's a good wrestling name. Leon Ruffin defeats Bishop King again. Leon Ruffin, not someone who wins very often, if ever, and he gets a win this week. This is an underdog week. This uh, there's not. It's not like there's any. It's it's not like there are any upsets here, which is funny. It's just. The the low carders got to face even lower card people, which is some people might be like, "Oh, you're you're this week was all just wins for people who you know it, it it was a lower stakes week just because of who the people who won were, but it was an interesting switch. I don't know if this was intentional or not, but it it was a a, a lot of wins for for the little guy." And I don't just mean that because leon ruffin is is a is a a, a smaller wrestler he he's a little bit more uh more uh, uh, i i don't want to use the word skinny maybe there's a better term for that I don't want to say like frail i don't want to say that he's sick or something Leon Ruffin is a healthy individual as far as I know again not a doctor this is all medical speculation medical spec Medical speculation, dark elevation, dark dark spec. Ah, we'll figure out something with that. The elevation speculation. Uh, the elevation medication speculation. That that'll be the name of this segment. It's not you know it's not just medication. It's all types of medical stuff. Bishop King, wars do rag to the fight. And I thought that that was an interesting choice. I don't know. I I cannot speak to whether or not you'd want to wear a durag in a fight. He lost it fairly certain early in the fight. As soon as Leon Ruffin put him in a sleeper hold, he lost it. He also had a mouthpiece that looked like a grill. I don't know if it was supposed to be a grill or if it's supposed to be a mouthpiece or it's supposed to be it, or if it. I, I don't I don't know where the line of what it was supposed to be in kayfabe like clearly it was a mouthpiece looking that looked like a grill I don't know if that was a kayfabe thing or if we were really supposed to believe it was really supposed to be that it was a mouthpiece and it was really like just it was just a joke looked like a grill I don't uh, but he had that and then he also had uh, Tim's on he was wearing Tim's with the brief cut and and the and the uh, knee pads. So he dressed like a wrestler, but also had Tim's, the Tim's and the do rag and the the grill. Uh, I, this is not my place to say what what that is. It it did feel a little bit like like a little gilding the lily to have all three of those to to. Try to be like oh Bishop King he, you know he's like a he, he's 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 a little rougher than than uh, ru- than Ruffin. he's a, he's a, he's he's a little bit more uh, I, I I could use a word like he's more hood or he's more urban but we should just give for a, a majority white audience that is for AEW he is a uh, more of a what they may stereotype as a black person, and and that's not just AEW because he's working Indies and and those are also uh, there's no wrestling audience that's not other other than some very specific shows. Most wrestling audiences are majority white, and the character he's portraying is very very much stereotypical black in in what a 40-year-old white guy who maybe paid attention to a lot of of uh rap in around like 2007 or so might might think of and that and i'm not here to say if that's good or bad or if that is Representative of aspects of the community or stereotyping them. This is a conversation I have treaded into that is well beyond. You thought you thought I was struggling with the mental health stuff, uh, uh, trying to say what that is. I'm just speaking purely from an aesthetic point of view in terms of trying to portray a character while just using your time in the ring to be that character, having the do-rag, the grill, uh, mouth guard and the Tims feels like overkill. I would do two out of the three. And that is that the only statement there is, is it's not a statement of whether it was good or whether or not, obviously people of all different backgrounds should be represented on this show. And, I'm just saying in terms of accessories, that, 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 I should have gotten, that's where I should have started with this. In terms of accessories to, that you use to portray a character, he has maybe one too many. And, and anyway, the, the crucifix bomb that won this could have been a little bit cleaner. I, I did not, it was harder to buy that it was a fluke win for Leon Ruffin. I want to see both of these guys again. I, I let me not let me not uh, miss a chance to say that Bishop King is really good and Leon Ruffin We've seen before. We know he's good. Oh, I don't know why I had so much trouble with that, but we'll move on. I think I've made my point, and I think that this was it was a good match. That's that's all I have to say. And Anhelico defeats Caleb Conley in some amount of time. And Helico is getting some wins more and more these days. Another person with an unclear allegiance to the Andrade family office. You maybe don't have to address him as much. You should address you should address one of the two, either him or George Joel. I think George Joel has more of a face turn in his future, so I think that would be the one that makes more sense. But on Helico. You could just ignore and just bring him, bring him back as as this guy with all these cool submissions and stuff like that. He gets Caleb Connolly here. Caleb looks fine. He you know he's he's he does well for himself. He he makes his way around. Uh, and Helico wins with some sort of, I think Escaliber called it the Argentine backbreaker, or the Argentine back something. How is it different than a torture rack? I am too stupid to know. But it was cool. It was a little bit different. It was, it's cool that he has multiple ways to make somebody submit. And Caleb Conley is a perfect person to try out some of those other ones that are not the the Navarro death roll, or the whatever, whatever other type of type of the the peruvian toehold or something like that try them all out against people like Caleb who very adequate at, at this i would say keep keep having him here doing this we had the renegade twins defeat Milo Moore and Milo uh which i'm glad Taz and Excalibur called out that seems like a little bit of a, of a thing to catch them up, having two people with names like that tagging together. They didn't last very long, despite their name similarities. They got taken out in no time at all by the Renegade Twins. I would clock this one at like 20 seconds. I would have to rewatch to be sure, but it was not long. The Renegade Twins, again, don't always get wins. Got wins this week. What does it mean for them? I don't know. But if I'm going to speculate, I think that Tony Khan is listening to what I always have to say. I said this week that the Renegade Twins were among those that I said that should be in the Deeb Dojo. If that actually happens, Serena Deeb has a match against Tony Storm tonight on Dynamite. Will the Renegade Twins show up? and this is where we introduce Steve's dojo because i don't think she's going to win but if she wants to get hit her attack in after the match is over she can have her dojo people and having a, a tag team as part of that dojo would be a great move so i'm calling my shot right now the Renegade twins show up on dynamite tonight it it it's a, a long shot i know but it it's possible and i don't think any who else, who else from tonight is going – a lot of times these matches build somebody for Dynamite. I don't know if anybody else – Anna JAS will probably – I mean we know she's going to appear because we know that the, the, the JAS is going to have a moment or two tonight. So we know she's going to appear. The rest of these people don't feel that confident are going to appear. So Renegade Twins, you heard it here first. Literally, because I don't think anybody else would even think to make a prediction like that. Nick Camarado defeats Shaheem Ali. Nick Camarado. Uh, man, that guy is strong. He's a strong looking guy. He had a lollipop in his mouth at the beginning of this match. That is scarier to me than like getting seeing someone get bashed with a light tube. Is seeing somebody wrestling with a lollipop. That is that, to me, is true hardcore wrestling. Uh, but Shaheem Ali looks good. I don't feel like we got to see him do everything he can do here. The... Yeah, if you're building up Nick Camarado to look good, the man looks strong. He's He is a strong man. And by, I think, so far sort of exceeding anybody else in the factory. Even a Gogo who you would have said was the would be the breakout star of the factory. Well, maybe this is partially because he's never with them. But Camarado seems like that. He's that guy that we're going to we're going to see. If you told me that we're going to get Camarado versus Wardlow for the TNT title soon, I wouldn't even blink because it would make sense and it would be a good fight between Beefy fellas. And finally, our main event, Dante Martin defeats Anthony Henry. Both of these guys came out to the ring with their partners. Dante Martin comes out with Matt Seidel. Anthony Henry comes out with with J.D. Drake. By the way, J.D. Drake saw the comments that I made about him last week. He became a follower. Shout out to J.D. Drake. I don't think he listens, but he's following the podcast, as you all should. And uh, so instantly has, has bumped way up in terms of people I root for in this company. I'm, I'm what, am, what else am I supposed to do when I get, get good support from somebody like J.D. Drake? Anyway, he comes out with Anthony Henry. And then, and then neither Seidel or J.D. Drake are anywhere to be seen. It's possible they both went backstage after introducing their buddies, which you can do, but it doesn't – what's the point of coming out at all if you're, if you're not going to stand ringside for them? I like to think that Matt Seidel saw J.D. Drake there, knew J.D. Drake was going to cheat to help his workhorseman friend Anthony Henry – and decided to fight him in a Shadow Realm. So he opened up a portal, threw J.D. Drake through it, fought him in a Shadow Realm. In the Shadow Realm, J.D. Drake was besting him. So he reopened up another portal and threw him back into the Earth Realm, where the Earth Realm portal does lead to Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. J.D. Drake was not far away. He was able to run back to the ring, just in time to see Anthony Henry lose and then exact revenge for his friend Anthony Henry losing on Dante Martin at that, at which point Matt Seidel brought himself back into the earth realm and then followed with a chair to the ring. That is my, I mean, if, if, if there's somebody in all of AEW who is able to, to cross over realms like that, it's not you. Oh, oh, it would be like one of the supernatural, like the the uh, House of Black or or somebody like that who has who. No, they just spit stuff and are dark. They're they're dark, but they're not. They don't have multiverse powers. Matt Seidel with that third eye thing, with all the yoga and stuff like that. Matt Seidel can throw people into the shadow realm. I believe it. I believe it, and I believe that's what happened here. Anyway, this match was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. I really like Anthony Henry. I think he does a great job of, of wrestling like a heel. Just really dickish moves. Really focusing on body parts. He does that neck wrench with, where he puts your head between his feet and just twists his whole body. Really wrestles like a heel in a, lot of, in a way that a lot of people don't as much as they probably should. I, I liked this a lot. I thought that if you're going to go out, if you're going to watch this, if you're going to skip through it, I would say the matches to watch are George Joel, and Blake Lee and Dante Martin and Anthony Henry. Those are the two best ones. And you know this made me happy that they ended the show setting up next Dynamite's main event of the Workhorsemen against... Saidal and Martin, who do not have a, na- a tag team yet, name. They that was that really undercut the promo to be like next week we're gonna have the workhorsemen versus me and Dante. Well, th- you don't seem as powerful if you don't. have – So let's let's photo let's. Uh, I was gonna say Photoshop. I, that's what let's workshop some nicknames for Sidal and Martin that they can go by. There's got to be something out there. Uh, let, let's figure that out. And uh, anyway, th- I was not. This was not the show that I was most excited for to watch. I none of these matches really popped when looking at the card list. But I was happy to see some people who don't always win getting some wins, g- giving some. Some time to some people who 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 deserve it and and just can't always get it. Don't always get to be in the spot the best spots for themselves. So uh, I ended up enjoying this episode a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, is is it the best wrestling show to advance the most stories? No, but I liked a lot of what I saw on this. The the elevation is what it was, but. If you enjoy this podcast, please tell everybody, except J.D. Drake, who already knows about it because of the comments from last week. So tell everybody other than J.D. Drake about this because everybody else needs to hear about it. Like, subscribe, follow us on Twitter at Dark Elevation we're available on all your favorite platforms as long as your favorite platforms are anchor or Spotify or Apple podcasts and just reach out, tell us what you think. Uh, And it doesn't even have to be, if you want to discuss what's happening on the quote unquote real wrestling shows, feel free to tell me about that as well. I love to talk about it. This is exists as a venue for me to rant about wrestling about something that nobody else is really talking about and I, I i'm more than happy to to if if you want to directly engage with me that is even better because because then i can i don't have to just go off as i do here and not like go off like oh go off king like i'm i'm just going off i'm off the rails on the crazy train and that means that i i i have to end this show